this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. <laughs> can you hear me? We can hear you, Mark. How you doing? Dude, I totally just farted the second it started recording. I am so sorry if you guys heard that. That is, hey, you know what? Right. That's, our, that's our intro then. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, what are the chances? I'm like, oh, is this working? I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, it's working. Uh, so you got me, Will, which I've been talking to you all day today, I think. Either you or Allison. I'm not sure who I was talking to. A little bit of both. That's the problem with that omnivores thing. Like, you never know who you're going to get on there. And and you've got uh, Briar here. He's right. he's a regular on our podcast. Hey, Martin, nice to meet you. I uh, subscribe to your YouTube channel. Oh, thanks, man. It's uh, it's a little bit of a train wreck on our YouTube, but uh, some stuff is good. Some of it's a, a little old and strange for sure. No, it was pretty good. I watched uh, your soap making video, uh, your one of your gator hunts. Uh, what else? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you watched the gator hunt. The gator hunt was like the most embarrassing thing I've ever recorded. We had no I... clue what we were doing <laughs> in that video. That's all right. Uh, and I watched uh, uh, swamp the swamp cabbage one. Yeah, that one's okay. It, nothing exciting. Wish you'd seen the Bobcat one. The Bobcat film is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. It, it was uh, it was one of those shots that I took with a longbow that I shouldn't have been able to do, that I've never been able to replicate again. It was about a 25-yard shot on a, a juvenile cat. Nothing big, nothing small either. And I have no clue how. I just heart shot this thing. It did three flips in the air and made it about 10, 15 yards from me before dropping. Dang. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I've never had anything like that happen again. I mean, like, if it was the coolest thing that's ever happened. I thought I was going to have a heart attack afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have too. So tonight's episode is titled The Hard Times Harvest. Uh, I mean, as we all know, we've all been pretty affected in some way, shape, or form by this coronavirus crap going around. Um, and I made a video earlier this week that I posted to our page that a lot of people – disagreed with a lot of people for us <laughs> um and uh 
I know how that you, I know you know how that is. Yeah. Especially with your YouTube. See, uh, I don't think it was a very big deal. I mean, these guys running around like, oh, deer season should be open. We should be able to go shoot stuff. Like, guys, we're not out of food yet. And let's be honest, push comes to shove. I can understand. Like, I tell you what, right now, if I run out of food and I don't want to go into town because it's a train wreck and, you know, things are getting real bad, I will shoot something out of season. But I'm talking last resort, complete last resort that I need to put food on my plate. I just feel like we're not even anywhere near that point yet. Like, no. you know, what is everybody freaking out for? Like, you know, the grocery store still have plenty of food. I don't know how you guys are where you guys are at. I, mean, I went to the store the other day, and they had – I bought chicken. I bought steaks. I bought eggs. I got milk. The only thing they didn't have was toilet paper. Yeah. That, the other day, I, I, I had run around to a couple of different stores, but I got everything I needed. Now, where are you guys at? You guys are in Hillsboro, right? Yeah. We are no, we're in Eustis. We're about an hour and fifteen minutes uh, southeast of you. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, where the hell was? All right. So, what's near that? Because I'm still lost up this way. Like, we came from Southwest Florida. We and are we literally just moved recently up this way, and now like we're so lost. Like anywhere north of Tampa, we don't know where it is or anything <laughs> like that. Thirty minutes outside, south Ooh. of the Ocala National Forest. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're actually you're in Normalville, like we are. Okay, yeah, right. For the most part, I mean, there's crazy. Gotcha. So, oh, dude, I was in Southwest Florida for ten years. You you don't know, like anything. <laughs> oh. I've really learned, like south of Tampa is like a cesspool. And I'm sorry if I offend somebody on here that you know is patriotic about South Florida. Like, I'm sorry, like south of Tampa is disgusting. Like, we just moved up here back in November. And this place is heaven. I I don't I honestly don't even understand how I lived anywhere else in the world other than where we live right now. I mean, it's that good. So, Mark, tell everybody a, a little bit about what you do and and how you live your life on a day to day basis. Well, I own a tiny little archery company. Uh, it's called Omnivores Homestead and Quivers. We kind of fell into this business. Um, we're predominantly just traditional archers. We don't really shoot compounds anymore. We really don't shoot much of anything in guns, but uh, what it is, I kind of grew up, people think that I'm like some sort of new age hippie or something like that. I'm not. I'm a cheap <laughs> Italian. So we literally grow our food. Like, it's just how it's always been. It's how it's always should have been. That uh, we raise rabbits, we raise chickens. You know, if it grows, I'm going to plant it and I'm going to eat it. And uh, and wild food. I mean, there's so much, so much wild food. I mean, that's why Florida is such a great place because, I mean, we get to grow year round here versus northeast and stuff where I'm originally from. You know, we got seasons like up there. You can't grow vegetables year round. But down here, I mean, it's amazing what you could do or what you can find. And that was one of the things it, I was excited to talk to you guys about because, I mean, it, it, we're, in a, new, we're in a new area. Now. Right. It, you know, my big thing with that, with the whole uh... – video i made is I, I understand that right now we don't have deer season um and that you do have to have someone's permission to go on private land to hunt hogs because you can't hunt on hogs on wmas during turkey season yeah uh, but you can keep 50 pan fish a day in fresh water exactly <laughs> so I mean, uh, if you're out of meat, and my my thing is, I, and you can fish from the bank without a, I think you can fresh water. Not in fresh water. Okay. Uh, fresh water license is seventeen dollars. Don't buy your coffee at the gas station for a week. 
Yeah. Or pack lunch for three days. Yeah. And yeah. now you have a freshwater fishing license. Um, well, even so, but, just, you know, I've noticed many things that people don't eat. Like I said, you know, we just moved up to this area. So, like, this is a whole different world for us. So I, I don't know if you guys knew exactly where we're at. We're in Levy County. Um, what the hell is it? Inglis. Crystal River area and everything. Yeah. So, like, coming up here, I know it's only three hours north of where we used to live. It's a whole different climate and completely different fishing. Like, we got trashed. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before on the Florida Outdoors Group. They uh, they were trashing us because we were saying that we we're eating sail cats, and I tell you what, that is something that people are really missing out on. Those uh, you know what I'm talking about, those gaff top Absolutely. or um, gaff sail cats. I always grew up amazing. Oh my god, they were so good, and yet so many people are like, we were. One guy told me yesterday, he goes, "Oh, I don't eat that nasty stuff. I know how to catch better fish." I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. These taste pretty good, you know. <laughs> And I always, I mean, growing up, I was always told, ah, that's, you don't eat saltwater catfish. And I kind of felt to myself as a kid, like, well, we eat regular catfish. What's the big difference? Yeah. But I never tried. We were told the same exact thing. And you know what I'm learning? If somebody told you not to do something when we were kids, they're most likely wrong. Like, uh, we grew (laughs) up that we were told not to eat largemouth bass. I'm dead serious. Like we were, t- my entire life, we were told, "Don't eat largemouth bass. They're disgusting. They taste like dirt." So here I am, thirty-something years old now, and uh, living in Southwest Florida, they shut down snook, they shut down redfish, they sh- shut down sea trout. So like here I am, I'm craving fish. So we were playing a freshwater, and my buddy catches this huge largemouth bass. I mean, not even huge, but good size. And uh, he goes, "Oh, let's take it home. We'll eat it." I'm like, "No, man. Those things taste like dirt." He goes, you ever eat one? I said, no, we were told not to. We brought that thing home, dude. It was amazing. You know, it was good, clean water. It was flowing water. Maybe that's the difference. But, yeah, you, you know, just because just we were told not to do something may mean that, you know, it may not be correct. There are some lakes around here that we fish that it don't matter what I catch. I'm not eating it out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Okeechobee. I won't eat out of well, Okeechobee. you know, no I have even worse than that. We have, right in our area, we have Lake Apaka. Yeah. Okay. And Lake Apopka is, is pretty nasty. nasty. You might pull one out really? of this guy. Yeah, I was uh, putting for gator tags there, so I'm glad you guys said that. They uh, they recommend you don't eat the alligators out of – I don't think you could – maybe you can hunt Lake Apopka. I'm not 100% sure, but they recommend you, you don't them. eat the Lake yeah. Apopka. It's, it's a draw. Think... No kidding. Yes. Um, Lake Apopka See, is getting better. Uh, yeah. There is – a significant difference in the lake from when I was a kid growing up in the area to here now. to now, um, but it's still recovering. But it is getting better. The duck hunting on Lake Apopka is excellent. Yeah, uh, see, I, I got to get into that. I've been desperate to duck hunt. We didn't have any – we don't have the opportunities in southwest Florida for duck hunting. And all of a sudden, I get up here, and it's like a whole different world. Everybody's a sportsman up here. Everybody's friendly from what I can see so far. I mean, I love it over this way. So it sounds, Mark. It sounds like we need to take you duck hunting when uh, duck season comes back in. Oh God, please! You know, you know, I've never ever gone. I can hit the broadside of a barn with a shotgun. So I hope you guys got something that holds a lot of shells because I can't hit nothing. That's okay. That. Neither can we, but we have a good time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I got I'll, a better I'll, chance of hitting something duck with a longbow. You bring your bow. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I could duck hunt with a bow for sure. Definitely. I that, mean, it's legal in awesome. Florida, I think. Is it legal? That I'm not sure. Think, 
it would be, be something to look into. I think but, it is. I'll bring a couple hundred arrows, and yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I got a better chance than with a shotgun. I mean, my wife can hit stuff with a shotgun. I, I'm terrible. Hit, you could hit a black belly whistling duck. They're they're pretty big, and they're pretty slow, and they're really stupid. Yeah, like, you talking it, about those really weird looking ones that literally like whistle like super super loud? Yes, yes. Are, are they, they good eating? Are absolutely they're delicious. delicious. Really? See, now yeah. you got me thinking because you know I, hear- I had one in front of me in a tree stand a while back, and I'm like, I wonder if that thing is good eating. I don't even know if we were allowed to shoot them, no nothing. Here's the best part about the black belly whistling duck. One, you can kill six a day, which is the your max limit on ducks. So you can limit out completely at six ducks on black belly whistling ducks. Two, no kidding. if a group comes over of five or six and you shoot one, the entire group circles back to find their buddy. And you can just keep shooting until you've got about two left and then to decide to abandon ship and go on their way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I totally signed me up. I'm definitely going to do so. I mean, I got a perfect duck boat and everything. We just we don't have the experience with it. We we definitely love to have you. Oh yeah, but um, so you know we we and I reached out to you today, and I really thank you for coming on here at such last minute. But uh, I reached out to you today to to talk to you about uh, food to forage because you know I, I did some research and I wasn't seeing a lot of things I ate as a kid here in Florida showing up uh, on the list specifically things like kumquats. Uh, which grew in my grandfather's yep. backyard, and we I ate those straight off the, the bush. No, that's what. And uh, Japanese plums. Have you ever had a Japanese plum? I'm sure down south. Now, when you say Japanese plum, are you talking about loquat? I'm not sure. It, it, they kind of look like a magnolia tree, but it's full of little uh, orange fruits that are about three times the size of a grape. And they have a pit I in them. The service is cutting out for some reason. I'm going to try walking to the house to see if it's getting better. Can you guys hear me at all? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear us? Yeah. Okay, so I think that you're talking about loquats. Um, honey, the Japanese plum, loquat? Okay, yeah, she's saying it's a loquat. I've never heard them called that before. We actually find them all over the place. Um, hell, we were gorilla picking the other day on the side of the road over here right in front of a school. Um, the tree was too tall, so we parked the van underneath it, and we're actually picking all of the fruit while standing on top of the van. But uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. Oh, they're delicious. And then muscadine grapes growing wild all over the place. See, I haven't seen them yet. I've seen the grape leaves, but I've not seen the actual fruit of muscadine. I remember as a child going with my grandmother um, to pick muscadine grapes, and she would make... Uh, muscadine jelly or jam, yep, and it was absolutely delicious. And then she would take the vines and she would pull vines down and make wreaths out of the vines and sell them. Yeah, now you know that all of the grapes, the leaves are actually edible too. You know that, right? I did not. That's yeah, yeah, all grape leaves, hibiscus, all that stuff. See, like. I'm big into eating all this wild stuff, but the thing is, is like, I'm not going to eat junk though. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so many edible things out there. Like there's these guys that will literally go around and eat weeds and stuff like that. Like picking little pieces of grass. You know, I believe that a lot of stuff like you're talking about with the loquats and the muscadines, like 
I call it abandoned Florida. Like we're driving down the street the other day. Like I said, we're in a new area. So with this whole quarantine thing going on, we literally hopped in the car when I've never been down this road. And there's just abandoned trees. When I say abandoned, like uh, we found a, uh, a mulberry tree yesterday. We were about to put my kid in the car at the park. And I look at my wife and I look over at this tree about 100 feet tall. And I look at it, I said, I think that's a mulberry. And I walk over. Sure enough, this thing is loaded with thousands and thousands of pounds of mulberry. And the crazy thing is, is nobody's picking them. It's on public land, too. So you're allowed to pick them. <clears throat> I feel like it's just yeah. forgotten, abandoned stuff. Like, you know, the park must it, have put it in for the kids. And just, you know, I think it's it like art. Because people don't do it anymore. And here in America, we are, we're spoiled. We really are. We're spoiled because we think we just go to the grocery store and get whatever we need to. You know, and then, like, our our grandparents didn't always have that luxury. Our great-grandparents were me. And, I mean, they lived off the land and went and picked stuff, and that's what they ate. And I, I can – something I read, too, and this might interest you, and if you don't already know – Dog fennel. Have you ever used dog fennel as a spice? It sounds familiar. You know, I'm still new to some of the stuff up here. Like I said, we were down in the tropics for the past 10 years. So a lot of the stuff that you guys have growing up this way, we didn't have down there. So, uh, but we have a lot of stuff that you guys don't have up here. Like, you know, we've got, uh, what is it? Strawberry guava. Uh, Most of my deer hunting property in Southwest Florida the swamp was covered in strawberry guava. And when that season came in, I mean, our deer tasted like candy most of the time down there because they're just sitting there eating these guavas all day, every day. Now, up here, you can find dog fennel in the woods, which when I grew up, I always, my, I was, it was just a weed. Yeah. Um, a weed. But I tell you what I grew up learning it was good for was cover scent because it's very aromatic. So we would break <laughs> off dog dog fennel and rub it all over our clothes and the scent the smell sticks to you yeah uh, so we'd use that as a natural cover scent you're pulling it from the area you're hunting in so they're obviously used to they're used to smelling it so on and so forth but in my research uh for this episode i found out that you can use dog fennel as a spice and it tastes very similar to dill i think i know exactly what you're talking about i, I think i've seen that recently up here it's kind of a long grass. Yeah. Like I said, we're still figuring it out. It, it's, there's so much different about up here. I mean, it really is like, it's, it's exciting because things have changed so much. You know, your gardening is so much easier up here. Like we couldn't grow a tomato to save our life down in Punta Gorda, but up here, like you literally can throw a seed on the ground and it's going to grow and it's going to produce and it's going to do really well. That's great. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it a little further up here. The The people are a little nicer. <laughs> A hell of a lot. You know, if you, it's just really cool. Cause like I said, if you look around, you know, you were talking about the low quad or the, the Japanese plum, I think you were calling it, you know, what's weird. What I don't understand is we're driving down this road yesterday and like, you could see the big bright orange fruit coming from like a half a mile down the road. Yet nobody is picking. And like we sat on the side of the road picking the other day and cars were driving by slowing down, looking at us, like staring at us. Like, what are those idiots doing? Like, you know, there's look at you like crazy. Oh yeah, like a and I think completely nuts. You talk about more stuff that people throw away that uh like gar. Gar is absolutely delicious. We went to Lake Harris the other day and there was like 
what, six of them just dead floated up on the Yeah, where somebody went bow fishing and dumped them out on the shore. Yeah. But I don't, have you ever yeah, tried Yeah, I've been gar? seeing that here too. Gar, I've eaten it once or twice. It's pretty good, but I've got a little bit of fear after I found out that the eggs are extremely poisonous on them. Um, so when they're coming into egg season, if you say puncture, you know, the egg sac and get it on the fillets, you can get really sick and possibly die. Didn't know that. Yeah. But I did have a man tell me the best way to fillet them is with a sawzall. <laughs> yeah, 10 snips yeah. work pretty good too. The, like I said, the only thing that worried me was I bow fish. So what happens is when I shoot a fish, yeah. it's not like I could like purposely not hit it in a certain spot. I mean, especially a gar. But, uh, you know, if you puncture, right. supposedly you get really, really messed from it. So the best course of action is what we were told is as long as it's not egg season, don't worry. And I'm like, well, when's egg season? And they're like, uh, you got like a six month window. I'm like, oh, this doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> so rod and reel. Yeah, I'm down to eat some gar for sure. Bow fishing, eh, a little bit more hesitant. I mean, they're a hard fish to shoot with a bow anyways, not because of, well, they're harder fish for us. We're traditional shooters, you know, nothing but longbow recurve, stuff like that. So, you know, with the lower poundages, you really got to get a quartering away shot on them to get the good penetration, especially on the big guys. But with a compound, you're pretty good to go. You know, you'll blow right through most of them. Uh, and I mean, I always grew up and it wasn't uh, a choice of, for bow fishing anyway, a choice of compound versus recurve. It was a, I got this bow for free. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I used to bow fish with. Yeah. Um, but man, I, I miss my bow fishing rig. I, I left Florida for eight years uh, in 2012 and I haven't been bow fishing maybe once or twice. I, I just moved back back in August. Uh, and I'm trying to get back into it this summer and get another rig set up to go back out on the boat and, I mean, I don't have much of a boat. I've got a little twelve foot John boat, but it gets her done. That's all you we need. I'm running time. a sixteen foot John boat now, and I love it. I mean, I used to have that big. I, I'm a licensed captain too. I used to run a bow fishing charter until they screwed the water up down in the south. And uh, I used to run uh, one of the Grizzly, you know, the real nice Grizzly side consoles for again flats boats. It was great, but you know, I slowly just getting smaller and smaller and smaller into a John boat series, and just. So much happier with the John boat. You could do so much more with it. Well, I can tell you what I love the most about having a 12-foot John boat. I have a 12-foot John boat with a 9.9 Yamaha on the back. And what I love the most about that boat is there are some lakes that we fish in the Ocala National Forest where we can run to the back of the lake, and then there will be a 100-yard separation of land between that lake and another lake that you can't access from the road. You can only access it by carrying the boat across the land nice and i can literally two of us can pick that 12 foot john boat up carry it across drop it into the next lake and go fish where you can't normally fish and that opens up a whole nother area of places and i don't need a boat ramp to put that john boat in i can put it in the back of my truck yeah we've been carrying it around for that reason i got my wife a canoe for her birthday because like i'm tired of trailer in the boat all the time especially with a three-year-old it's nice to just throw the canoe on top of the van if we end up falling into an adventure, like we'll go down to the beach and like, I don't know, we're like, let's put the canoe in. So we toss it in, have a four hour excursion that, you know, you just spur the moment. It's so much better than trying to deal with the trailer and launching and ramps. But so you guys are predominantly fresh water. I mean, the way you guys are talking, do you guys do any much salt water over here? Oh, we, we do a lot of salt water. We do salt water on both sides of the state. We're about, uh, 
an Rutten hour. <laughs> yeah, we're we're about an hour from the East Coast, the intercoastal over there. We were actually uh, two weeks ago out in the intercoastal catching redfish. That's what I thought. I thought you guys um, were saying going about redfish. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and we had my brother's, my brother has a 17 foot mud boat. And we had that out in the flats. Um, and then <clears throat> I grew up fishing out of the home of Sassa river in the, in the, um, on the West coast. So all over down in that area. So we See, I've never both fished fresh and salt water. I've always done West coast only. I've been to the East coast one time in 10 years and, I just wasn't really thrilled with it, but I kind of went to the wrong area. I was in, uh, oh, I can't even remember the name. It is legal. <laughs> What's that? That it is legal to keep sea trout on the other side. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that would be nice. <laughs> I, honestly, I eat junk fish. You know, like everything that people say is junk, I tend to eat. Like uh, stingray. Stingray is one of our That's biggest good. eaters. We live on stingray normally. Until we moved up here recently, like out of nowhere, we're getting to taste all these different fish up here. But uh, when we were in Punta Gorda, I mean, we'd go out and shoot 200 pounds in rays, and we would feast for days and days and days on it. So how do you like stingray cooked? Oh, God. You, you could cook it just about any way. I mean, I, you can quote the Forrest Gump movie with shrimp. I mean, pretty much there's no wrong way to do it. I mean, dead serious. Like I've heard they scallops. No. Anybody that says that it tastes like scallops or they make scallops with it has either A, never eaten a stingray, or B, never eaten a scallop either. But uh, it's it's not even close to scallops at all. Not even a little bit. It's more like a pork chop shark steak is what I call it. I do like sharks. Yeah, it's shark is it's shark similar. It, it's you got to bleed them, you know, only because there's just so much blood in that fish. But you bleed them out, you wing them, and you've got to skin them. All the recipes that you'll see, people are like, "Oh, leave the skin on." Do not leave the skin on. That's it's just it's gross, but. The cool thing about a stingray is you could eat a 200-pounder or you could eat a one-pounder, and they all taste good. But probably my most favorite way ever is in a chowder. It makes the best chowder you'll ever have in your life. The only the only story I've ever heard of taking a stingray with intent to take it home to eat it was from my dad. And they put it in the cooler in the boat, and then it gave birth. Yep. <laughs> So they dump it all back into the water. <laughs> yeah, they they tend to do that. The second you lift the big females out of the water, the babies just drop right out. And uh, it's it's kind of crazy. My wife is in uh, the animal oddity market that uh, she actually was selling those things frozen on a cookie sheet tray to like all these weird animal collector things and everything. And it's hilarious. Like we'll fillet a stingray out and she sold like the carcass of our dinner for like 50 bucks. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean that's pretty neat though. I mean, and that's just another way to make the money. It's creepy, to... but it's it's pretty. Look, dude, I'm I'm seriously skinning frogs one day. We went out frog gig, and I come out and I'm cutting the flippers off. I, I'm a dumb Yankee Northerner, so I don't eat the flippers. So I'm cutting them off, and she's sitting there digging through the gut bucket. I'm like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm going to sell these feet." I'm like, "No, you're not. You're out of your mind." She sold all of the flippers from our frog gigging night for like thirty dollars. Wow. Yeah. It's it's really really strange. Have you ever you you get frogs? Have you ever shot them with your bow? Um, I attempted, but the issue is is we're constantly filming, 
and sometimes filming at night is just so frustrating that we just it never really worked out successfully we've done it a couple times but not many um turns out our favorite frog gigging spot down in Punta Gorda that we would go to like every night with like three kids and having a blast. Like it was family time. Turns out we were doing it illegally. Um, the laws were not clear enough that we were out there the one night and FWC pulls up on us and they're like, what are you doing out here? I'm like, what does it look like? You know, we're frog gigging and I got a three-year-old with me, a seven-year-old and a couple adults. And the guy's like, no, you're not. You know, it's closed. I look at him like, no, it's not closed, dude. Like, I know the rules. We're out here. We've been doing this for weeks. It's completely fine. So you don't know. And, like, I was mad at this guy, FWC. I really made an idiot of myself. But uh, he just looks at me like I'm crazy, starts pulling up the rule book, looking through. And he goes, hey, man, you're right. Frog season is open. I said, see, I told you. He goes, but it's closed here after dark you're not allowed in here after dark. I'm like, what the hell's the point of having a frog season if you can't go when the frogs are out? So long story short, we didn't get the frog gig anymore down there. And the good news is we were moving, but uh, we just didn't really get to do enough gigging to really get the bow out and everything like that. But now that we're up here, supposedly the frog gigging is amazing up this way. Um, the only catch is it's not year round. I mean, the frogs aren't really moving versus down in Punta Gorda. You can go seven days a week and there's always bullfrogs. Right. So when I was, when I was younger, I was a teenager, we had access to a local farm around here that would allow us to go out there and we would frog gig. And, but we were frog gigging primarily in about eight foot deep ditches. Oh, and they had between any time, two to four feet of water in the bottom of them. Cause they were irrigation yeah. ditches. So what we would do is drive a, a vehicle up and down the ditch shining a light and the idea was we were going to get out with our 10 foot poles and we were going to gig frogs well we soon learned that the frogs were smarter than we were and we could never get within 10 feet of the frogs to gig them so we started doing it with a bow uh, like a compound bow and using glow knocks so we could find our arrows easy shooting small game heads yeah and we would easily really fill up a five gallon bucket of frogs between four or five of us in the nope. night and it was a black. So I'm going to have to switch over to that. You know, like we have no experience up this way yet. I mean, I can't wait to start frog gigging up here. But frogs, man, you know, I didn't even think about that as, as one of the sources of meat. But those frogs are excellent. Are, they're bigger and up here, can, too, aren't they? I mean, People are telling us that they're huge up this way. Seems pretty I've, big I've killed some that would measure out 13 to 14 oh. inches stretched And out. are they good eating that size? Because, like, honestly, like, the frog that we I, were getting. I, I don't I don't think the big ones taste any different than the small no, ones. Didn't. See, we were getting about the size of our My three-year-old. Yeah, I haven't been frog gigging in a long time. That's not true. I, I uh, When I lived in Georgia here before I moved back to Florida here recently, I was standing in our backyard and I could hear bullfrogs in the retention pond in the center of our neighborhood. Yeah. I would, I, and I told my buddy. <laughs> yeah. So well, we went and we had some, there was some hunting property we had that had bamboo on it. So we went and cut 12 foot uh, bamboo poles and made gigs out of them. And we went out there and we, we gigged the crap out of that retention pond and we had frog legs. It was great. That's yeah, my daughter's favorite meal. We, uh, we that, eat it for breakfast. I don't think we've ever gone frog gigging and actually eaten them for dinner or lunch. It's always the next morning my daughter jumps up out of bed. The first thing she says 
she wants to eat frog legs, so we have them for breakfast every time. But she's second generation Floridian. No and she eats the toes. Like she literally like crunches on the toes, like the flippers. <laughs> they call it the redneck potato chip. Like I just I can't do it. But I don't I don't eat the feet. I never was. You know I, I don't. That's just a little now, strange. Do, um, do you eat the front legs though? I see legs. these guys throwing out the front legs. I've been saving all the front legs, even on the small ones, and they've been worth it. I believe. Really, I've never tried. All I all I've ever done uh, cut is the cut off. the back legs off and then peel the skin off like a pair of pants. Yeah, try the front legs. I, I, we've been eating them. They're they're worth doing. And and I'm eating small frogs too, so I can only imagine how you know how much better they are for the real big ones. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to keep everything you know the stretch out stretched out at ten inches or more, which is easier to do here, I guess, than where you were frog eating before. But I'll tell you the way to frog gig around here, but you don't really get to gig. You almost have you have to catch by hand. Is to go if you can find a lake, a freshwater lake that has hydrilla that comes all the way up to the surface and makes a mat on the surface. Yeah. If you can get out there at night, then you can find a lot of them laid up in that hydrilla, and we we just go out and catch them by hand. Throw them in the boat. Throw them in a like a cooler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It, for a heyday, you go to clean them. Yeah, because you got a cooler full of live frogs, but you know what? Yeah, I think the number one thing I'm most excited about up here that I have no experience yet is crawdads. That uh, I found out recently, like I live inside a wildlife management area, like my backyard is a WMA, and I just found out in all the creeks and all little you know gullies down here, it's full of crawdads. And the guys are telling me that like I thought they were messing with. They're like, oh yeah, we throw out traps and we get like a five gallon bucket of crawdads in the night. I'm like, wait a minute, like. You guys got to be joking, right? Yeah, really? I, I keep hearing about it. So we ended up going down, and we are seeing them already. That uh, And these guys are telling me there's some pretty big ones. Like, I'm pumped. I've never eaten a crawdad in my entire life. So the second season really comes in, and we get a little bit more rain. Like, I'm definitely trapping, and I'm going to do a huge video on that because, like, I'm pumped. Like, I love being able to go and just eat yeah. the stuff out of my backyard. I've never caught crawdads in the state of Florida. I hadn't either. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that they were here I, I either, either until recently, a few months back when we were frog gigging, we were finding them down in Punta Gorda. I mean, they were tiny. And then just one of the neighbors up here just told me about it. And he says, no, man, they're good and they're big. So I guess they're pretty common. And even the kids in Rainbow River. I was watching the kids in the Rainbow River over here in Denellen swimming down to the bottom, flipping over a rock, grabbing a crawdad, sticking a hook into the crawdad, swimming his hook and line underneath the dock, feeding it to a largemouth bass, then climbing back up on the dock and pulling it in. I never seen it like it was hilarious. Because he can't <laughs> cast underneath the dock. So they were just seriously swimming right to it and just feeding this. It was like a 10-pound bass this kid was feeding crawdads to and just climbing back up and just pulling him up. No, it was awesome. cool as hell. I, I wanted to go back and video the whole thing of these kids doing it because, I mean, I think that's what I love about this place so much. Like I'm seeing kids do the stuff that we did when we were kids versus in the South. Like I saw kids right. playing video games and that was about it. Like, you know, there's just so much to do over here. You know, it's, there is. there's so much more to the state of Florida than Disney world yeah. and there beaches. Is. A lot of people miss that. I mean, I was, I was in the army for four years and I told people that I was from Florida and, you know, that was the first thing they did was Disney and beaches. And I'm like, no, 
that's not it. <laughs> yeah. That's the same thing I got. Oh, you, oh, you, you, you're from Disney. And I'm like, well, there's more. To yeah, there, there's than a Disney. lot more. I mean, Gators, like that Gator film that you watched, like that was the biggest train wreck film I've ever had. But honestly, that Gator was so good tasting. Like a lot of people ask me, like, is it worth putting in? You know, the amount of money that we have to put in for tags and stuff like that, and all this lottery and all the rules and regulations. It was worth it. It was totally worth it putting in for the licensing. I can say I lived in Kentucky for five years and I love the weather up there. It's absolutely beautiful as far as temperature goes, but I did miss the swamp. Yeah. The swamp that I grew up in, you know, uh, cause you don't have alligators and stuff like that. I lived on the Kentucky Tennessee line. So we didn't have that up there. We had snow. But we didn't have yeah. that. Uh, and I, the, the thing I really love about Florida, too, is, you know, the access to water. It's everywhere. I grew up fishing so much as a kid, and I would walk to the lake yeah. from where I lived. There was a summer when we was in high school. I think we fished every day. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't say that we did not to go fishing. Uh, and it, it just that because that was access to us to the outdoors just within walking distance. And it pretty really seems like, especially where we are, no matter where you're at, you're within walking distance of fresh yeah. water. See, I got all the world. Uh, maybe I, for some people, they walk, but. Yeah. I've got salt water really down the road. I've got deer and pigs in my backyard. I've got turkeys right down the road. I've got the, the springs are 10 minutes away. I've got the swamps. I've got Lake Russo. I mean, I've literally got every. Every different Florida environment that you could think of, all within ten minutes of my house. That's awesome. Have you killed a turkey yet? Turkey I have came not. In this weekend. Where, where's the video? We live in a WMA, but the catches—it's um, a pay per play. I don't have the permit here this year, so even though I'm surrounded by twenty-four thousand acres, I can't legally hunt it until I get the permit. Um, I'm still figuring out the area. I mean, we have Jumper Creek which is about an hour from me that was open to public. But the thing is when this virus stuff hit, the truth is like I put all my focus and energy into one thing and that was growing food. I mean, my last house was a food forest. Like I could literally walk outside and feed a family of 10, no matter what, seven days a week at my old place here. We've only been here for a few months. Yeah. So I've been focusing on working on the house so much and working on the business that I never really got food into the ground. Yeah. So I went into panic mode about two weeks ago and literally filled my entire place with food. I mean, in the ground, you know, not grocery shopping. Like we, we build all the lumber. Yeah. I've been milling lumber here just cause I'm too cheap to buy lumber. And, uh, I ripped, what is it? Uh, two by two by 18s. So true two inches wide, um, Oak and about 12 footers and build uh, raised garden beds out of them. I mean, what kind of idiot uses all that priceless lumber to build garden beds, but Hey, you do what you got to do. I've been thinking about putting a garden. Got to do it, man. You really got to do it. It's, you know, certain things like you're in like the best climate to do it. You know, whether you just do like, cause Uh, like, let's just say shit hits the fan. All right. This is how I feel. No matter what you and I are going to eat fish. We're going to eat deer. We're going to eat pig. We're going to eat turkey. Most of all, we're going to eat a ton of squirrel. I guarantee we're going to eat a ton of squirrel. But the truth is, I I don't know how you guys feel. 
if I don't eat greens, I kind of get sick. I, I can eat meat, but I can only eat so much meat all day, every day. So even if you grew nothing else but mustard greens and okra, I mean, literally, you could drop those seeds in the ground and do nothing to them, and you'll be able to eat. Okra gives will, a little variety. Well, okra will like extremely overproduce. You, if you're going to grow okra, you you've got to have neighbors you like or be canning stuff because okra plants will exactly. produce so and with little much. to no effort. Same thing with mustard greens. I mean, like, mustard greens right. are just awesome. You know, peas. You know, black-eyed peas. Yeah. Even if like, so, my my joke is like, I talk to all these guys that are building food plots, like. I literally would eat my food plot. I mean, they're like, oh, I'm planting turnips and iron clay peas for the deer. I'm like, dude, I'm going to eat all your turnips when you're not looking. <laughs> you know, we, planted, we planted turnips one year in a food plot when I was younger, and they literally were growing the size of exactly. Basketballs. And you can eat the greens from them, too. Like, I just feel like because you got to get those vitamins and nutrients. I mean, you just you just do. So, like, the greens are the most important thing you could do. But uh, squirrel, I mean, hell, I, I still can't believe how good you guys squirrel taste up here. Like the squirrels down south, they were okay up here. Oh, my God. They're smaller, but they're good eating. Uh, right now, I'm currently working at Disney, and we were sitting there eating lunch. And this squirrel, I mean, it would like right up to us. And I'm like, I'm not used to that because I'm used to them running from the tree, yeah. the tree from me. And I was tossing a rock at it. And instead of running away, it would look at the rock. I'm like, man, I'm coming hunting in Disney if they'd all go yeah. south. Here's a question. <laughs> the Why the hell do we have a squirrel season? Why is it not open year-round? I don't understand this. I'm pretty sure it's bugs and worms and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but see, I keep hearing these speeches that about could... worms and all this stuff in, in all kinds of animals down here. I've never seen a worm in an animal down here before. Um, I don't know that it's something you I've can seen, see with the naked eye. I've seen bot flies. I mean, bot, bot flies well, don't really count. Something. I mean, that's you know. they don't mess. Yeah, with them but yet. I mean, like, I just don't understand. Like, but rabbit is open year round, but squirrel has a season. Like, yeah, I don't. I just don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. Like, I've got so many squirrels, I'd give anything like just to take out a couple hundred of them right now in my backyard. <laughs> dead serious like I, I feel stupid because the season closed and i'm like crap i can't believe it closed like i never actually took the time again to put together a true squirrel hunt i mean like i'm an opportunistic guy i'm sitting in the tree stand and like if pigs and deer aren't moving you damn right i'm gonna shoot five or six squirrels with my bow and take them home like i would literally bring a cooler with me knowing they're probably gonna get bored and start shooting squirrels but like <laughs> you know you, you got squirrel season is pretty long as far as i know it runs from august through january which is something the majority close something close well the thing is it's like i wish it was if not in february because we're hunting after after duck yeah. season so, so like it runs in maybe in february the fact that it coincides yeah, with deer yeah, season yeah. like i try like, not to make too much racket like shooting stuff like that because i always feel like a buck is like watching me so like yeah. i wish like squirrel would be allowed to be shot like say right now because like there's so many of them right now i could be sitting in the stand and not go oh, oh here comes a deer who cares i can't shoot the deer so just keep taking out squirrel after squirrel like i could just focus on just squirrel right all right yeah i'm looking up the season time it's like the beginning uh, of march or something like that if i remember right i think yeah. Well, I mean, it's all done by zones. 
in which Florida. is most of the state of Florida, which is crazy because in Florida, if you, I mean, you were you were in South Florida, so you know you can hunt literally hunt deer from July to yeah. March. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, you to, say uh, July March. through March, you know, for for deer, you got to remember that. For the southern zone, like everybody's like, oh, I'm so jealous. You get to hunt the southern zone. You know, you open up in July. Well, we were predominantly very, very dependent on does down there. There's not many bucks. There's bucks, but there's not many legal ones. And the few that there are are very smart. So we have 30 days to kill our does down there. The issue is, is every friggin' year we have a hurricane or a flood that hits. So push comes to shove. We just yeah. don't get to tag out on our does like we need to. So you could sit there like I literally hunt six days a week when I was down there and I got lucky and killed one buck last year and he was just legal and I'm talking just made it. So like, I don't know, like I wish that they would, there's a few rules with Florida that I just don't really like. I wish that they would just give me like my two doe tags. You don't want to kill more than two. Give me my two tags. So that way, instead of me rushing through rain season and hurricanes, trying to get a shot on something that maybe would be an unethical shot, I'd rather say, oh, it's November 11th, and this doe is five yards from me and stupid. Now is a good time to use that tag up. Like, that's what I'd rather do, rather than going, oh, it's pouring rain, the doe is 25 yards, and season closes tomorrow. Should I just send it, or what? You know, like, <laughs> I'd rather just... So have you... What's that? Moving, moving further up into Florida, further up into the state, have you looked into the sandbox? You know what? We looked at it last year, and we were so curious about it. We were told, don't bother, that the numbers are not there, the success rate is a joke, and it's a miserable hard hunt. But at the same time, like I feel like I want to do it anyways just to prove somebody wrong. I, I want to do it. I want to do it. I, I, I've heard it's a, it's not an easy permit to draw, but it's not impossible to yeah. draw it more than once in a lifetime. Anyway, it, it's not like drawing a, a, an Arizona bull tag for elk where, you know, it's a once in a lifetime thing. You better have a guide because you're never going to get it again or drawing bighorn sheep or something See, I, like that. If, if I do west. draw, I'm but, not going to even attempt to film it. I'm just not going to. That, uh, I was, I was told that's it's so thick. You know, the that's, issue was, was the regulation on there is pretty rough. Um, that you're not allowed to hunt until certain times. You're not allowed to hunt certain areas. Um, there's no water anywhere on there for you to drink. You have to boat in. You know, all kinds of stuff. But the 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 shooting hour is a big problem. Well, there's a ferry. There is a ferry, so you don't have to use your own boat, but you can't use no. a vehicle. Um, and they will, if you harvest a sandbar deer, they really? will come pick you up in a truck. No kidding. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. If you don't want to walk and you're on the sandbar deer hunt, you don't want to walk back. You can harvest a pig or harvest a raccoon, which is open at the same time the sandbar deer hunt is. Really? And they'll still come <laughs> pick you up. And take That's you a good back. loophole. I'll take that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> But uh, and you can only hunt until I want to say it was yeah, three in the afternoon. Yeah. But take a rod and reel because the fishing off the island, off St. Vincent's Island. Is See, I, I'm really thinking about doing, it, especially because we're so much closer so, now. Like that's not a far ride. You know, that's what's cool about living up where we're at right. now. Like everything is so close now. Like there's so much cool stuff close by versus like 
we were three hours further away from awesomeness. I want to do it to say I've done it and I would continue to attempt to draw the tag until I was successful because they're a really cool animal. Uh, if you don't hunt them here, the only other place to go is Southeast oh, Asia. Oh, Australia and sandbar. That's uh, yeah, that's a little yeah, further my than buddies I are always go. trying to get me to come to Australia, but Australia is amazing. Like there's just there's pretty much no regulation, no bag limits, no nothing. And I mean, like you name an animal, they've got it there. That's pretty neat, Sid, you know, and I, I would love to be able to afford to do that stuff, but that's not something that uh, seems to be in the cards for me. And that's okay. I, I've never chosen a job uh, to make a lot of money. I, I do what I do to remain to, to do as little, have as little stress as possible and enjoy my life and get my kids outside. And the, the big thing to me is, is passing on my love for yeah. the outdoors to my children so they can put onto theirs and so on and so forth. Cause my dad did that for me. I mean, I, I started hunting with my dad before I could walk. I was in a uh, car seat in the truck when he first started whitetail deer hunting in Florida. Mm. He ran dogs, uh, ran dogs for deer. Um, and then uh, he soon gave that up because he got tired of chasing dogs instead of killing deer. <laughs> so then we started we started still hunting, and that was that was kind of what I that's the only thing I remember growing up was still hunting. Uh, but I've been with my dad since I was you know four years old, and I took my son out for the first time this year to hunt deer, and we actually got to see some deer from the tree stand, and it, just to see his eyes get as big as softballs to see that. Was, was super exciting so to be able to pass on that passion to the next generation and then you know our, our whole point here with this podcast i don't do this to make money i don't run these pages to make money i do it because i like doing it and i want to express to this generation my generation that if you watch the outdoor channel and stuff like that on your cable tv you would think that you need to have a six-figure salary to go hunting and be successful, but you don't, you, you don't need, you don't, you, you can get, if you really pinched your pennies and you could deal with the discomfort, you could go to Wyoming and hunt antelope and be successful. Absolutely. For less than a thousand dollars. And that's something we've, that the media doesn't put out to people. No. Um, you know, the outdoors media, anyway. The other thing that I think they really pushed with that is trophy. Is you got to kill the big monster buck. And I'm not saying go out and kill your two and a half year old spike, but at the if same time, if it's legal and it makes you happy, I shoot the first is. thing but. that's legal in front of me. I do it. The we're, we're longbow hunters. That's it. So I'm not taking any chances. If I, if I was sitting with a 30 out six or something like that, like. I'll pass on some well, stuff. You're, you're you know, little, that, that right there, you know, the method of hunting completely changes yes. what it what a trophy means. Yes. That, so that, that legal buck might actually Dude, be I killed a trophy. A you know what I'm saying? I was, was like, like, the craziest thing is that buck that I killed last year, I wasn't going to shoot him. But the thing is, is I was sitting in the stand, and I grunted him in with a deer call that I built. I mean, I built it. And I called him, and he comes running in. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then I grunted at him again. He comes running in. This big dummy standing broadside. The film's right up on YouTube. And I said, you know what? I've got to take this deer. And I didn't have a lot of time left in the season. I drew back, and I pocket shot this thing so good. 
he ran, bolted 100 miles an hour left, ran off camera, and then the idiot turned around and ran back to me and fell right in front of camera. It was it was an amazing hunt. It was one of my favorite hunts I've ever had, and it was just a, a stupid four-point. And the truth is, after I shot it, I freaked out because I wasn't sure if he was legal. And I threw a tape on him, and thank God he just made it. You know, and I was I was blessed when I, I joined the military in 2012, and the first place I went was Kentucky. And to be able to whitetail hunt yeah. in the state of Kentucky and Tennessee, I never would have been there had I not been stationed there and just lived there as a state resident. But being there, I killed some awesome deer. But I was just afforded that yeah. opportunity by living there. And that was, that was awesome. And I would love to go back and hunt there again. Uh, because the abundance of deer they have. I mean, where I hunted in Tennessee, you could kill two bucks a year and yeah. three does a day. <laughs> I miss those. Two bucks, three does a day. We were allowed no unlimited on the in season. Connecticut. They would start you off with five buck tags and five doe tags to start the season years ago. And then once you shot all your five doe tags, they'd give you another five. Once you shot all your five bucks, they'd give you another five. It was crazy back then. <laughs> but I tell you what, though. Yeah. It, all of those big trophy right. bucks, the Midwest guys, the Kentucky, the Tennessee, you can keep all those deer. Because I tell you what, the South Florida deer tastes better than any deer you'll ever eat anywhere in the world. I mean, dead serious. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm praying one. to God that the deer taste good up here. Because I'm pretty nervous about it. And if they don't taste good, I'm packing up. I'm <laughs> going to go hunt down at our old property down in Arcadia. Because those deer down there, you know, are fine. Fine. Find muscadines, and when the grapes are in, is that what it is? Because they were living on grapes, That'll grapes, be your best. and uh, the the oh my god, I remember what I called it before. Um, the other fruit that's down there, but the grape and the other fruits, and, yeah, the guava, the that's guava, what yeah, the strawberry guava. That when they got into those, they were unreal, but uh, yeah, probably one of my favorites. Still, you know, but I tell you what, if I was only allowed to do one thing in Florida, if I could only choose one thing, it was the only thing I'm allowed to do, it would be frog gigging. If I could only choose one, that would be it. That's the most fun I've ever had in my life for sure. Frog gigging and swamp cabbage. Now, you guys do swamp cabbage often go. or is it something you guys oh, just we- don't? I, I I've, have I've not had it. had it. I've heard of it. I know what it is, but I've had it. it. It's pretty good. I've never had it like in the stew. I've cut a little piece off and ate a little piece. That's about. But uh, yeah, you guys are missing out. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah, I really really is. But uh, you know, we're actually putting another video out of using it because I mean, like a chainsaw is cool and everything, and it really does save some time. But let's be honest, how many people have a chainsaw that can go out and do something like that? So we're gonna build a cabbage axe and uh, do a new video of cutting it down with an axe the old school way. But uh, it's totally worth it. Um, the cabbage are a little bit different up here than South Florida, though. You know, we were kind of disappointed in it that uh, they weren't as meaty and they were there just wasn't as much in there. Um, but it could have been the season. So we're kind of waiting until rain season kicks in a little bit to see if they taste different and if they're a little bit better up here. Well, I mean, hey, I, I wish you the best and I we're coming to the end of our hour here and this, uh, this is going to shut me <laughs> off at an hour. So we've, we're, we're at 54 minutes. So 
We don't. We normally do a tip of the week, but it's not looking. I like got a real have time this week. For you guys, you've if got you want, I mean, something that's total game change. Here, okay, yeah, so most minutes. important thing that we've really done in our life recently, and we've killed a lot more animals because of it, is we stopped using scented laundry detergent. You know, a lot of these scent cover companies are like, use our detergent, use our detergent. Honestly, it's too expensive. You can get stuff at the grocery store that's cheap as hell, that's scent free. And by just not having it on your body or your hats or anything, or even in your washer and dryer, I could literally wake up in the morning, throw any clothes on out of my wardrobe and go out and kill a deer or a pig by being always scent free. Huge. I have to keep that in mind. And I've used that in the past, just, just to yeah, exactly. like unscented laundry detergent. But uh, use it on everything. Like, you know, we don't use but, it with our towels, you know, my wife's laundry, my kid's laundry, everybody's washing and just scent free detergent. And, uh, you know, we see so many more animals nowadays. And I believe that is part of the reason. You mean okay. you don't exactly. have to spend a lot of money? To well, see a lot yeah, of some of these guys, like, you know, dead <laughs> downwind, I don't mean to call out the company. I mean, good for them. They're a great business. But like a little tiny bottle of laundry detergent is like six bucks versus. You can get the arm and hammer unscented, like the big jug for six bucks, you know, like and it's the same damn thing. There's no difference, right. but total, total game changer because we just yeah. don't wear camo. Like, you know, if you watch the rest of our videos, like in the early years, we were still wearing camo. I mean, we used to be dealing with all that sponsor stuff and everything, which we refuse to do nowadays. And now I literally will go out in Walmart pants with a, a plain old flannel shirt and whatever hat of the day I happen to be wearing, I'll kill stuff in that all day, every day. Like you don't need camo. You don't need expensive scent covers. You don't need any of it. All about, it's all about being Dude, still. I don't, being I'm not quiet even quiet. And and I'm not even still. I mean, like my wife makes fun of me. I'm the guy that's out in the woods like, yeah, I'm still killing stuff. It's a Florida is, this is the other tip. Florida is not the place that we don't pattern well. We don't pattern things real well down in Punta Gorda areas. Like it's about putting time in. Like if you're sitting in the stand for 40 hours a week, you're going to kill something. So, you know, for you guys that are out there and like having a hard time, you know, put more time in. That's, that's all that's really going to really put animals on the ground in Florida, at least down where we were at. I mean, we're hoping things are a little bit different over here and starting to see more of a pattern, but we're not holding our breath on it. It's just sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting even more. So where can where can people find you? I know you got a Facebook. Um, page. we do Instagram, but I'm confident when it comes to it. We try to keep up on it, but uh, we're not very good with. It. But mostly Facebook, just Omnivores Homestead. Um, you could search that on Facebook. Um, our YouTube, I think, is also just Omnivores Homestead. Maybe it's got the quivers in it too. Um, all of our products are up on omnivoresquivers.com. Um, we build mostly traditional archery stuff. Uh, you know, we do a hip mounted quiver, a side quiver. We know a lot of guys that shoot compound that use it. We do a bow mounted quiver that we'll be announcing. Actually, we just kind of accidentally announced it right now on here because nobody knew about it. Um, we do archery tabs, all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Well, you know, Mark, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight and you know, that this wraps it up. So that's been another episode of the under pressure outdoors podcast. And we're definitely going to have one again. We got to get on a Creek bank or a river bank somewhere and let's do some fishing and record once we can get out of this quarantine. Crap. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much.
You too. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. You have a good night, Mark.